This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I, I think that's an, an accurate uh, response to how all of Jets Nation felt when Sam Darnold hit a Robbie Anderson for a 91-yard touchdown. Glad you're recording that one, 92 Michael. yards. 92 yards. Sorry, the, the second longest touchdown <laughs> in Jets history. But holy shit, the Jets finally get in the win column. 24-22 over the Dallas Cowboys. What a fucking game. Uh, I'm just through the roof right now. So excited. And I think, you know, the, the past month and a half has been so difficult you know, to watch this team average three yards a, a play uh, with, with a McDonald's drive-through worker at quarterback. But what a game. What a performance from Sam Darnold. Literally everything we could have hoped for. So we're we're super excited to, to break down this victory, talk about it and what it means going forward. Before we do, I think Michael and I should acknowledge um, the fact that we haven't done a podcast in a few weeks now. It was, it was, I'm going to be honest, one, timing and scheduling was a little, you know, interesting the past few weeks. But mainly it is just tough to sit down and talk about a blowout loss with Luke Falk as, as your quarterback. But you can call us bandwagon podcasters. It yeah, we're, we're front runners. We only after wins and good positive moments. No, I mean, I think we'll be back next week regardless. I think just now that we have <laughs> Sam Darnold, it's really just Sam Darnold being healthy is just now we actually have an NFL team to talk about. But yeah. Michael, you, yeah. I mean, you damn near fell off the face of the, the, the planet disappearing from uh, Twitter. And then you you tweeted out that great gif yesterday. I, I I also apologize. My voice is completely shot from yesterday, despite the fact that I did not go to the game. It was just me, you know, cheering in my living room. But um, but Michael, I, I guess we'll just start off with first. How does it feel to be to be alive again uh, on Jets Twitter and, and doing a podcast? And then second, let's just start the breakdown. Your initial reaction to to the Jets win yesterday? Oh yeah, I I mean it's great. And and you said it, it's just uh, Darnold single handedly. He he came back and single-handedly did exactly what we hoped he would do, just bring energy into this team that was absolutely nothing without him. And, you know, what makes this game so amazing, what made that touchdown to Anderson so amazing, what makes this win feel so good right now is the fact that, you know, Darnold just came in and did exactly what we hoped he would do. This is a team that was 0-3 without him, scored three points a game on offense, and last year, he did the same thing. They went 0-3 without him. They scored, I think, eight points a game on offense without him last year. 
he came back, and then the team was competitive and exciting again. And uh, they're doing it again this year. Obviously, their badness without him this year was at a whole nother level compared to last year. Uh, just historical ineptitude. But, yeah, just, you know, staying off Twitter, I mean, it's not really – there wasn't really much to talk about. They were terrible. But Sam Darnold's back, and, you know, he just came back and did exactly what we hoped he to. And the, the touchdown to Anderson, that was the most insane – one of the most – probably the most insane I've ever gone – uh, in terms of noise level, watching a Jets game probably right up there with, you know, the Eric Ducker touchdown against the Patriots in 2015 when they beat the Giants that year. Uh, probably those two games are the only times, uh, the only moments that come close uh, to that Anderson touchdown. It was just everything coming together, having Darnold back, uh, seeing and Robbie Anderson, who was quiet without him, just letting everyone know and just getting the verif- just the validation that, you know, Anderson has been getting open. This is what he does. He's still a great deep threat just to see it all come together. Darnold's back. Anderson's back. The Jets are back. All one play, just like that. And that was the first play after they just got that fourth down stop in the red zone. In the red zone. So it was a perfect storm of events. And just that touchdown was incredible. You heard my reaction in the beginning. And it's just great to see that it seems like the Jets have a franchise quarterback. This is the second time he just come back and taken a completely incompetent franchise and just made them competitive with his return alone. So uh, it's really exciting right now. And now going into this game against the Pats on Monday night next week, it, it's it's got a lot of hype. It's got a lot more than you might have thought a couple of weeks ago. But to see him come right back and, you know, not have – and, you know, you could wonder, too, if he was going to, you know, have, you know, a transition period coming back after being out for a few weeks with, you know, maybe having some effects left from the mono or whatever. But he, he came right back. This was arguably, you know, if not his best game, it's right up there at the Houston and Green Bay and Colts games last year so to come back have you know maybe his best game in the league just to show you that he has no ill effects and he's continuing that progression from last year it it just feels really good right now and we'll see how many wins they could string together if they could actually be competitive again this year but uh, this is all about Darnold this year anyway and to see him come back and just do what he did it, it brought life back into the team yeah obviously there's a lot to talk about um and break down a lot a lot of uh, guys and units uh, had a tremendous game, and, and we're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about the offensive line and whatnot, but obviously Sam Donnelly is the focus. And you're right. I mean, the difference in this team between, you know, the, those Browns, uh, Eagles, and Pats games and this is night and day. The defense is, has, you know, remained fairly consistent. Greg Williams has done an absolutely tremendous job with this unit, but you could tell they even play with just a different energy knowing that, you know, getting a stop on fourth down is actually going to matter because we have a quarterback who can actually score. You know, knowing that you're, you're not going to have to be right back on the field, you know, in two minutes because your offense is going to go three and out. Um, it just, he lifted the entire team. And that's kind of the, the telltale signs of a franchise quarterback is when he lifts the people around him. This is what, his 15th, 14th start? I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't even played yeah, a full 15th. season technically. 15th start. So next week will be a 16th start. Um, just a, a tremendous performance. And, and you know, there was a lot of pressure on Sam Darnold coming into this game. I mean, I think there was some pressure, you know, in one sense, there was pressure taken off because people saw how bad the offense looked like without him. So if the offense looked anything resembling an NFL offense, people would credit that to Sam Darnold. But, you know, from Jets fans and from Gase and from, you know, pretty much the media, all eyes were on Sam Darnold to save the Jets season, to save Adam Gase's job, to save team morale. Because if he goes out there, and you're right, you know, most people who get mono, you know, they drop 20, 30 pounds, they lose energy, they lose some muscle. It should have taken them some time to come back from it or whatever. 
but he didn't look rusty at all. He said it himself. He, he felt like himself. He came out there and was the savior. I mean, they said all week we can't rely on Sam to be the savior, but he was. I mean, he he came through. I mean, any sort of you know dream or hope that I had all week about how he would play is exactly how he played. I mean, he played a nearly flawless game. That one interception, it was a miscommunication between him and Crowder. But outside of that, a literally perfect game from Sam Darnold. Just, I you know, I still can't get over it, it because it's been so long. And I don't think I've ever seen the Jets, you know, play a game where I was just like, oh, here's our quarterback. We have a franchise quarterback. Our quarterback is better than your quarterback. And even if Dallas were to score that two-point conversion, I was fairly confident that Sam Darnold was going to march him down the field and get him in a field goal range or get a touchdown. Like, I wasn't even – I mean, I was obviously nervous, but I wasn't, you know, you know, uh, terrified uh, of, of the Jets having, you know, to, be, to have their backs against the wall. I mean, I was just – an all-around terrific performance from Sam Darnold. Um, and he did it without Chris Herndon, who's arguably his his best receiver. Uh, I mean, obviously, that could go to Robbie Anderson as far as the deep threats. But you saw the, the connection that he has with Chris Herndon, especially just those over-the-middle throws and, and whatnot, the short intermediate, even uh, on the goal line. The, the chemistry that, that Herndon and Darnold have, it's just a very important part to this team. So, you know, Herndon's going to come back. You know, hopefully, you know, I'm hoping that that may be the, the fact that it's now it's a big game that, that Herndon can – can you know only miss one game and not the two that that Schefter originally reported and uh, and CJ Mosley is supposed to come back uh, for this game as well. I mean that's arguably was our best player on defense or in that whole game in week one. So the Jets did it without two of their most important players. There's even some guys like Nate Harrison could come back and really help out the depth of corner. Kletcher Assembly could come on and 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 fill in uh, for for Brian Winters. Uh, speaking of the offensive line, how about Alex Lewis? I mean Joe Douglas. He's only been with the team for a few months, didn't get a draft or free agency, and for pennies, he found the Jets' best offensive lineman. Has been absolutely terrific at left guard. Um, and, and speaking of the offensive line, and, and Michael, I guess I'll, I'll turn this over to you, just the difference in in how they played with Sam Darnold, Luke Falk. It's not necessarily how they play, but it's more just Darnold's just innate feel for the game and the way he moves with the, within the pocket, the way he steps up and slides left and can throw from these awkward platforms. It just really, you know, helps the offensive line tremendously as far as not giving up sacks and whatnot. Even on the deep bomb to Robbie Anderson, that touchdown, that play obviously does not happen with Luke Falk because one, Luke Falk probably gets sacked for the safety um, from Demarcus Lawrence because he doesn't step up. If he does step up, he's probably getting drilled from the defensive tackle or you know, you know, fumbling or whatnot. Uh, but Sam Darnold, you know, evaded Demarcus Lawrence, stepped up in the face of that defensive tackle. Didn't have much room to step up, but he used what he could and threw literally the perfect ball to Robbie Anderson. Um, but, but Michael, I mean, just your thoughts on on specifically the offensive line's performance and, and how Sam Darnold lifted uh, that unit up. Yeah, and you mentioned Alex Lewis, and I wasn't going to be tweeting at all last week. He played really good against the Eagles. He stood out to me uh, as in the middle of a complete mess in which they gave up 10 sacks. Uh, usually you won't want to, like the Jets gave up 10 sacks in that game. It was a terrible uh, performance by the offensive line. So usually you want to group everyone together, but you know, when you look at, when you look at it closer, you actually watch, uh, when you key in on every single play, see what each guy's doing, you know, that can happen with still one guy, maybe even two guys actually playing well. And, you know, you hear it said a lot that an O-line is only as good as its weakest link. And that can be the case. A lot of the time you could have even four guys play well, but one guy sink the entire line. Obviously that that's not the case with this line, but Alex Lewis was good against Philly. He was good again, against the Cowboys last game. His pass protection's been solid. And really in the run game, I think he's the only guy who's been consistently good over these past two games, even in this Cowboys game. But uh, yeah, in this Cowboys game, I think that, you know, the Jets in this game, Darnold got sacked two times. He didn't get take any hits other than those two sacks. So it was a really clean game 
on the stat sheet, but I think that is the O-line did play better. It, this was definitely a better, their best pass blocking performance this season. And I think a lot of that goes, just goes to the communication. The fact that you have the starting quarterback in there who was playing with the first team offense throughout the entire off season. And this isn't even really the first team offense. I mean, you're talking about Lewis, Khalil, Edoga, uh, all on the field out there. So you only had Winters and Beecham starting the game. The only guys who are on the first team throughout the entire offseason uh, on that starting offensive line. But still, having the starting quarterback out there, who uh, it does a lot more for the communication, I think. So that, I think that definitely helped. Because when you look at the pressure that he did take, it's usually from the tackles. I think Idoga's kind of struggled, or has really struggled a lot these first two games. And then once Beecham went out, I think Shell struggled at left tackle. But the pressure up the middle was not... That we've seen a lot throughout these first few games, just miscommunications, free blitzers, stuff like that. I don't think we saw much of that at all in this game. So I think that's a big credit to Darnold for just uh, kind of uh, shoring up the communication, but also what he does, you know, just when the pressure is there. He does such a good job maneuvering in the pocket. So that's a credit to him. He's really good at avoiding those sacks, keeping the play alive. So credit to him. But the O-line did play better. I think Khalil, Winters, uh, and Lewis in particular did a really good job. And pass protection. Run blocking is another story. I think Khalil looked pretty awful in run blocking again. I think all four guys really outside of Lewis were bad in the run game, so that's still an issue. But Ryan Griffin actually did a good job run blocking this game. He had uh, one on one key conversion, third and three, I think it was. He had a, a really nice pull on uh, Demarcus Lawrence coming across to set the stage for that bell conversion. So he was blocking pretty badly in those first few games. But in this game, he actually made a few good ones. So Griffin helped out. Lewis was good. But run blocking still seems like an issue overall. But pass protection, having Darnold back, it, it really changes everything just from a communication standpoint. But they, I do think they did, even independent of Darnold just coming back, and, you know, you could say with every unit on this team, maybe it's just because the juice he brings or whatever. But it, it did seem like they played better. Adoga was a little bit better. He still struggled. Uh, this is probably, I would think this was Khalil's best game pass protection. I'll watch it a little more closely throughout the week. But the pressure up the middle that we saw throughout the past few games was not there as much. And I think that has a lot to do with Darnold coming back and just kind of bringing the communication together. I think uh, that's really valuable. And you have the guy who, you know, the offense was built around, was running the offense throughout the whole entire offseason, comes back. And that's a big improvement over, you know, a first-year starter who was uh, – the third string, actually the fourth string quarterback throughout most of the offseason took the, the third spot from Davis Webb towards the end of the offseason in Falk. But that's a big upgrade just from a communication standpoint. I think that's the main reason the, the pass protection was a lot better. You know, two sacks, no knockdowns. You're going to win a lot of games. The quarterback's going to play well if that can happen. So well, I think the communication really was a lot better with Darnold there. Well, yeah, and you mentioned Luke Falk being the quarterback. The other thing is, is just the defense has to respect Sam Darnold as a quarterback where they didn't have to respect Luke Falk as a quarterback because, one, they're not really worried about Falk throwing, so they're, they're going to play the run and stack the box, and that shuts down Le'Veon Bell's run game. And then when it's third and long and Falk has to pass, they're just going to send the kitchen sink at him because they know he's not going to be able to handle it. But now Sam Darnold's throwing all over you. Now you can't rush as many on those. You have to play coverage because you're worried about Sam Darnold. Um, and it just completely affected the offensive line and the, and the offense and the team as a whole. Let's talk about Adam Gase, though, uh, for a little bit, because he, I mean, he's been on the hot seat uh, for the past few weeks now, not necessarily you know, towards being fired I, I, at this point, um, but fans were angry with Adam Gase. I mean, his you know, offensive genius um, didn't really shine through the past three games, and I kept saying, I mean, I guess we don't have the, the, the proof since, um, since we didn't do a podcast the last few weeks. I, you can go back to week one, though. Um, but, I mean, look... It, 
I this is more on Falk than it is on Adam Gase. And I mean, he clearly runs a different offense with with Sam Darnold. He's clearly m- much more confident in Darnold's ability and runs plays that he knows Darnold can make, where other quarterbacks such as you know Luke Falk, Trevor, Trevor Simeon can't make. Um, just his confidence in Dar- Darnold was just so evident in what he's play calling. I mean, look, three minutes to go in the game, a lot of teams would say, "Oh yeah, hand it off to your you know thirty million dollar running back." And, and grind the clock or whatever. And if you don't get it, you punt or whatever. Trust your defense. They've had a good game. Don't put it in the hands of your 22-year-old you know, quarterback who's already thrown in a red zone interception, who has had issues with, with turnovers at times in his career. But no, Adam Gase trusts Sam Darnold. He knows the type of kid uh, that, that he has under center. And he let him throw it out. I mean, they, on that last drive, they were throwing 20, you know, 25-yard uh, passes, which was a completely different offense than we saw week one. Uh, and obviously w- without Darnold, I mean, uh, what was Darnold's uh, yards per attempt? It was like, I believe it was over 10. Uh, 10.6, I think. It was yeah, his, 10. Uh, 6. his career best. Offense as a whole was seven, which is the highest at any of any NFL team. They just finally, this offense looked like the 2013 Peyton Manning Broncos offense that broke all those records, you know, and, and people have been run- wondering, obviously Gase made his career off that offense. And then he went to Miami. He didn't really have the same talent around it. He had Ryan Tannehill and it didn't really show. And all offseason, beat writers have been talking about how good Sam Darnold looks in this offense, how comfortable he looks. We saw it in the preseason, so we know this isn't a fluke because we saw it week one. This was the offense we saw in the preseason. Then week one, obviously something was wrong. We learned that he had mono, and it completely changed it. I I, I do think – anyways, my point was is that you know I, I tried to keep faith in Adam Gase because I, I he's won me over. I'm not going to lie that – I wasn't a huge fan of the hire at first, but he has won me over. I like him, and I believe in him now. And it was frustrating, but I also was just like, you know, let's just see what the offense looks like if Darnold comes back. Let's, you know, we saw it in the preseason. We saw what what he can do, uh, and it just it came to fruition here. But and somebody had this theory. I I, I want to give credit, but I, I completely forget who who tweeted it at me, which is basically like his theory was that uh, you know Adam Gase just needs a a good quarterback to run his offense, which I guess you could say for for most coaches. But in in that sense, Adam Gase needs a smart quarterback, a quarterback that he trusts to make, you know, to call audibles and change protections and make different throws. And and he said it to Sam Darnold, uh, you know, I think he said it last week as far as it was was Eagles prep, but he didn't end up playing, that that this is Sam Darnold's offense. This is Darnold's offense. This isn't Peyton's offense. This isn't Jay Cutler's offense. This isn't Tannehill's offense. This is Darnold's offense. So he's taking Gase's offense and elevating it and you know morphing it around Sam Darnold's skill set and it was a really special product we saw because despite the fact that the Jets didn't put up um you know they only put up 3 points in, in the second half it wasn't like the offense completely sputtered or slowed down or anything like that the, the offense was still attacking and putting themselves in great positions they had that great long drive obviously a miscommunication between Crowder and Darnold led to an interception then the you know Cowboys were just you know, holding the ball the entire game but even every time Darnold got the ball it was you know for the most part productive series Productive throw after productive throw. And Michael, you and I talked about this before we started this podcast. Just the big difference, one of the big differences between Darnold and, you know, when when we were watching Mark Sanchez or Geno Smith or any of the other young quarterbacks that we've been led to believe could potentially be the franchise quarterback. Darnold, just his arm talent is evident on every throw, even incompletions. Every incompletion was a perfect throw for the most part. Even that interception, uh, even the dropped interception in the fourth quarter, you look Crowder was open, that would have been a dot. There were drop passes, there were passes that were called back for penalties. There were plays that he doesn't get credit for that he played lights out. I mean, the ball placement on every throw was damn near perfect, and that's just you know so inspiring to see from from a quarterback because you have you you know couple that with a guy who clearly has an ability to to read defenses and innate feel in the pocket and a good head on his shoulders and clearly a leader. You see how this team responds to him. I mean, the difference that, and we're not in the huddle, 
But the difference when we watch Sam Darnold in this huddle, in this game from, from last year, you can see how he's leading them, how he's you know telling them what to do. I mean, he really is taking charge of this team. And that captain patch is not just for show, as I mean, many people might you know assume since it's, oh, saying your quarterback, it's a marketing thing. Let's just give him the captain patch. Sam Darnold is the leader of this team. He's the leader of this offense. And it definitely showed these players, despite the fact that they're one and four, they have a lot to fight. As they put it, they lost the first quarter of the season, but there's three left to go. Um, really excited to see where this team goes. It's one and four, but it's a good one and four. And there's a lot of hype entering this Patriots game. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'd expect them to win this game, but I think they'll play them tough. And if they do win this game, you know, all hell's about to break loose on, on Jets Twitter. But, but Michael, just, you know, going back to your thoughts on, on Adam Gase uh, and, and what his off the difference in his offense between, you know, the past few weeks and, and just how Sam Darnold, how he morphs his offense to Sam Darnold. Yeah, so to talk about Gase first and then a little bit more about Darnold before we move to the rest of the team, which uh, also mostly played pretty well. So no, I think Gase, we can just keep talking about Darnold for, for 80 Yeah, minutes. we can do that for five hours. I'm okay with that. But, you know, with, with Gase, I was throughout these first four games, and, and like you said, same as you, when they hired him, he was not my first choice. I actually posted an article in Gangrene Nation. I ranked uh, the eight candidates that were kind of you know in the in play for that position i had him ranked eighth out of those eight guys so i wasn't a huge fan of it at first but you know after researching more and this is the case with you know anything that really happens when your sports whenever your favorite sports team hires someone adds a new player because you're not really going to do so much research on these guys unless they're actually on your team so once they are on your team then you're going to put the time in to actually kind of you know rationalize it get to know what they bring to the table what they struggle with so this will happen anytime, but you know, with Gase, really after they hired him, I was I really got around it more just looking at his entire history of coaching in the league, whether it was an assistant, obviously as a offensive coordinator at Denver, he just had a really good history of making quarterbacks better. Even in Miami, where uh, he was working with backups almost half the time, he was still winning games, figuring out how making that team win more games than they really should have with their talent level. And just from a play calling standpoint, there were a lot of good things he did there. Joe Blewett on Turn on the Jets really displayed this pretty well, that he was doing a lot of good things from a play calling standpoint there that really weren't reflected in the stats that the Dolphins put up offensively while he was there. And that was mostly because his quarterbacks, you know, he did play backups a lot or he did coach backups a lot. But even Tannehill wasn't wasn't all that good for him there. He was not a very good player. And then the question was, do you blame Adam Gase for not developing him or is this a credit to Adam Gase, the fact that his offense is actually better than it looks and it's being held back by bad quarterbacking. So that's the question you had to ask. And then the offseason comes along and it seems like Darnold's developing. He's leading the team, like you said, just an emotion, much more of an emotional, just uh, a lot uh, off the field in the huddle, just connecting with the team a lot better. He's working well in the offense. We saw it in the preseason. So uh, once Darnold went out, really, I was okay giving Gase a pass for the for these uh, past three games because, you know, ultimately what he's doing isn't going to change much because we saw how bad this team was. You saw how bad Luke Falk was, how bad the offensive line played, the cornerbacks at times. It didn't really seem like there was much more he could do to make them win. Did he make some bad play calls here and there? Sure. I think there were, you know, a few things, you know, at certain points that were probably a little bit questionable, but... You know, what he's doing when the Jets are down by 20 in the fourth quarter or, you know, if, you know, things like that don't really matter because it doesn't affect winning. So, you know, and at the end of at the end of the day, the results that they put up in those three games are, you know, they are historically terrible. There are teams that have played with quarterbacks as bad as Luke Falk or similarly bad and not been that bad. So I guess you do knock him for that. But 
ultimately it's about winning. And this was about Sam Darnold. That's the reason Gase was brought in here. So uh, I wasn't too hard on him for that. It, it was ugly to watch, but at the same time, I really kind of, I kind of gave him a pass for the circumstances and first game back with Darnold. Like you said, it was just a completely different offense. They finally started using Ty Montgomery and Bilal Powell. And yep. even though those guys didn't really put up huge numbers, they had a few, you know, nice short gains. And I, get I think the harassed. <laughs> yeah. And I think they did make an impact though, because you know, most of the times they touched the ball, they got three, four yard games, whether it was Montgomery or Powell. And that's important. We saw these past three games, uh, how, how often they got behind the chains. We saw that all of last year. And what we talked about this whole off season was the potential that, you know, they wouldn't have to deal with that as much that Darnold could throw from third and three, third and five, instead of third and 15 and third and 13. But that wasn't happening with, uh, it didn't happen in the Buffalo game. Didn't happen those three games he was out. But the offense was a lot more creative. They really kept it moving forward. Uh, guys were schemed open a lot. Everything everything looked really good and fluid in this game. Even though, like you said, they didn't score thirty points. They put up twenty four, which is pretty average in the NFL today. But they were moving the ball in the second half, and the fact that they were you know not going three and out, getting those yards, it, it pinned the Cowboys back and made them have to work on offense. You know, make their offense work to have to get back into the game. So they, the 24 points, not too impressive, but, you know, just watching the game is complete, completely different than what you saw the past three weeks. So it was a really good start of, and we're, it's week six here, but we're calling this the start of the Adam Gase and Sam Darnold era. But it basically was with the, you know, the condition that Sam Darnold was in in that first game. Clearly, uh, it seemed like he was affected in that game with the way he played and, you know, the time he missed afterward. There are reports that he was dealing with it ahead of that game. So, circumstances in that Buffalo game, the three games after with all the injuries, the quarterback situation, this basically is the start of what we were hoping to see this season. And it was a good one. So uh, one game does not make any player, any coach, any play caller, but this was a really good start. But, you know, coming right off this game, you're going to get as as good of a test as you can ask for against a Patriots defense that has been historically dominant this season. has only given up one passing touchdown. Uh, Just really any number you look at, they've been incredible this season so a uh, really good challenge against that defense a defense that hasn't really played uh back many good opponents this season sam darnold's probably the best quarterback that they played to this uh, once they do face him uh next week he'll probably be the best quarterback they face or easily the best quarterback they face so far so uh, but it's a really good defense the patriots have so that's going to be a great test uh, coming off this cowboys game to see if they can go back to back home games uh playing really good against a solid opponent but you know, on Darnold, just to talk about him more, because Darnold's what, what this is all about, this whole team right now. But And you said it with his arm talent. I think uh, the way you put it was really good, just the fact that he's not— the thing that makes uh, that made watching Mark Sanchez, watching Geno Smith so maddening is that you know they can make a good throw now and then. Any quarterback in the NFL can. They did it quite a bit. You could see it from Sanchez, from Geno. Sometimes they'd make those throws. You're like, you know, they have some talent to— you know, push the ball downfield, make some good throws. But then they would, you know, airmail a screen pass, throw it into the stands, throw it at someone's feet. You know, and it's just things like that that Darnold doesn't really do. Even last year, like, well, he wasn't... It. Right, right, I'm not... Has it not done. Here. Yeah, Didn't and uh, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Do we have to make a disclaimer about not jinxing things every every single time we bring it up? Yes. All right, all right, so that, that just to establish that, but... At least so far, you know, last year, Darnold, you know, he had his bad games when he turned the ball over or things just weren't clicking. But you, when it's not working for him, it's usually one of those two things. It's the turnovers 
He had a few multi-turnover games last season, or just things are a tick off. He doesn't have those throws very frequently where you're just like, wow, that's a complete miss where he, you know, airmails a wide open guy down the field or he throws a screen pass into the dirt. And that's the thing I think he does really well. It's the screen passes, just the timing on the screen plays in this game. It was just perfect. His timing is good. His accuracy, he puts it in the perfect spot for, you know, guys to take the ball upfield and go where the play wants, go where the play is supposed to bring them. And, you know, a lot of times guys put up numbers, guys look a lot better than quarterbacks look a lot better than they really are because, you know, they play in a really good offense that draws up a lot of good screenplays to get a lot of yards after the catch. And a lot of the time it, it does make them look a lot better than they really are, but there still is skill to executing those plays. Sometimes guys are just benefiting from the running back, making a lot of people miss, but sometimes guys are throwing good passes. Even if they are behind the line, you still have to have perfect timing, good accuracy. And Darnold does that so well. We saw it last season and in this game, he did it really well. He's his time. I already said it, but his timing on those screen passes, he his timing and accuracy just puts the ball in the perfect spot to allow the ball carrier to just continue in stride up the field without having to adjust to the ball, without having to wait for the ball, set up his blockers or anything, just catch the ball in perfect stride and go the way the play designed for them to go. And Darnold does that so well. But I mean, uh, really throw- just over- yeah, and really just the overall <laughs> thing is that, you know, I know I kind of cut you off. No, no, I, I was cutting you off. Sorry. All right. But but the thing he does really well, just overall, is that he doesn't have bad throws that often. You know, he threw the interception to Crowder on a miscommunication. And, you know, there was the, the one throw to Crowder that was a little bit off, maybe a little bit late. Uh, I think it was the third down play on the Cowboys side of the field. So he's not perfect. And, you know, no quarterback is. But he just doesn't really have those throws where he airmails people or just completely misses. He's usually... Pretty much on point. So, you know, the arm talent's there. We see that he can make the great throws. You saw the throw to Anderson, that dime to Crowder in the beginning of the game. He has amazing touch, and he could do it from really any platform, whether he's in the pocket, on the move, outside the pocket. Uh, He can throw it with a a lot of touch over the top. And to me, that's the most special, you know, just uh, impressive, like, splashy highlight caliber ability that he has, just the touch that he has over the top of the defenders. But What's most impressive is that he he keeps the offense moving with really good, really good uh, just touch and timing on those screen passes and just his accuracy. He gives guys a chance to make the play. And also that's key because, you know, you put the ball in near the defender's hands. You just put it in the middle of the play. That gives uh, the opportunity for the refs to throw a flag. If you're throwing the ball, you know, 10 feet behind a receiver, the refs aren't going to throw any flags. That's not going to happen. But even if your pass isn't perfect, you just put the ball there, give the receiver a chance to make a play. And that's how good things happen. And we saw a ton of it in this game. So uh, that's what's really impressive about uh, really impressive about Darnold to me. The fact that he can keep the offense on schedule, run those screen passes perfectly, really not make any terrible throws and just not have those instances where you're like, wow, he's not on it right now. He does not have that too often. We saw it a few times early last season, but then he got out of it. And we saw it in week one this year. Obviously, he wasn't right, but. In this game, like he was just he was just on point with his accuracy mm-hmm. throughout the game. Even when it didn't lead to a positive result, he was giving his receivers a chance to make something happen. So uh, it was a really impressive game. And, you know, hopefully he can keep this up down the stretch of, of the season. This game against the Patriots is uh, basically the conclusion of, you know, his first 16 games as a starter. So he's kind of still a rookie, if you put it that way. But uh, just just such an impressive game from him in every single every single way imaginable. Yeah, I mean, what I was about to say, he just and it's it's timing, you're right, and it's also just he throws with such great anticipation. 
mean, if you pause it, and Matt Waldman pointed this out on Twitter on his touchdown to Griffin, but if you pause it on a lot of plays, including that Griffin play, when he's releasing the ball, the receiver hasn't even made his break yet or hasn't gotten his head around. I mean, he's throwing with terrific anticipation. And Matt Waldman even said this is something that Baker Mayfield struggles with in the red zone that Darnold doesn't. Um, and and on that note, and, and I guess it's a topic that's a little too early to bring up, but Sam Darnold has a terrific opportunity right now to prove to be the best quarterback in the 2018 draft class the rest of the season. I mean, it's wide open right now. He's certainly trending up. Baker's trending down. You know, Josh Allen's team is trending up. You know, he Josh Allen himself has been, you know, up and down. Um, and, obviously, you know, Lamar Jackson had another great game uh, against the Bengals. But Tim Donald has a very good chance to prove if he can just stay healthy over these next games and, and play the way he was playing, he can really prove himself, um, you know, as that top quarterback. And, and it's not just about having a game like this. The great ones do it with consistency. And so even if the Jets don't win on Monday, it's really important to see Sam Darnold have another good game and just keep stacking the chips. You know, obviously we want the chips in the wing column, but stacking the chips for Sam Darnold to just have a good game after a good game after a good game. And that, that'll just build confidence for him and the rest of the team. And obviously this has been brought up a ton, but the Jets, you know, started with one of the hardest schedules in the in the, the league and will close with one of the easiest Obviously, they have this Pats game on Monday Night Football. It's a tough game. However, it's a winnable game because, one, the Jets always play the Pats stuff at home. It's prime time. They'll be in the stealth black uniforms. They're coming off a big win. They're going to be ready to go. Sometimes teams get too hyped up and fall flat. My hope is that the Jets rise to the occasion of this game and play them tough. So I think that's going to be a close game. But then after that, you look, okay, on the road against the Jaguars. Minshew's, you know, on, you know obviously become you know an internet favorite, but he struggled against the Saints yesterday. That's a winnable game. Uh, against the Dolphins, a winnable game. You know, Adam Gase is going to want some revenge. Home against the Giants, a winnable game. Redskins on the road, they're terrible, winnable game. Raiders actually better than uh, than most thought, but still a winnable game at home. Bengals, absolutely fucking terrible, winnable game. Dolphins, again, horrible, winnable game. Jets-Ravens, that's a nice Darnold-Lamar Jackson matchup on, on primetime football. And you close with the Steelers, who aren't playing that well right now. Obviously, their quarterback's unhealthy. And then you close with the Bills. There is a very good opportunity for the Jets to go on a run here. Yeah. And yeah, you don't you don't want to look too far ahead. You know, if they lose this game to the Patriots at home, then you know they're one and five. I know the Colts came back from it last year, but it, it's tough to get out of. And the Chiefs did a couple of years ago to knock the Jets out of the playoffs in 2015. But you don't want to look too far ahead. But if they do win this game, this is the toughest game on their schedule that's left. You know, maybe Baltimore uh, in in Week 15, since that's on the road, is kind of in the same ballpark. But this is probably the toughest uh, game left in their schedule. So if they can win this game, and you get back-to-back wins against the Cowboys and Patriots, two of the two of the more talented teams in the, in the league, even though Cowboys were without some of their best players. If you can get back-to-back wins against them and then with the schedule that's coming up, then then maybe you're in business. And the Jets do have to get on a pretty good winning streak. You know, to get back in the race, they can lose at most two games over the rest of the season if they want to, you know, be in the playoff conversation. But the AFC isn't too deep right now. You're looking at uh, the Colts and the Raiders are tied for that last playoff spot at 3-2. and two. So, just two games ahead of the Jets. And, you know, this isn't baseball. Two games in football is a lot. That's that's the difference between being, you know, a 500 team and a 10-win team. So two wins is uh, a lot more than it seems. But, you know, the Jets do play the Raiders later on, and you don't know with the Colts, you know, Jacoby Brissett. The Colts are a really impressive team, but you still don't know if they can keep keep going up. Just keep up with the elite teams in the AFC. But really, overall, the AFC is pretty wide open. There's yeah. only uh, seven teams or seven or I think six teams in the AFC that have a winning record right now. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's really wide open. So 
if they can get a winning streak, uh, if they can beat the Patriots, then again, again, you don't want to look too far ahead or assume that's going to happen. The Patriots are uh, playing defense as well as anyone has really ever played it in the history of the league to start a season. So it's going to be a tough game. But if you can win that game, the, the really with their the way their schedule looks, it is set up for them to, to kind of go on that run. And, you know, yeah. they could easily have a letdown game against the Jaguars, who are a not terrible team, not a good mm-hmm. team, but uh, a team they can lose to. They lost last year when they had a worse quarterback in Jacksonville. So, uh, but the schedule is set up for them to make a run if they can win this game. But uh, it, 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 this is going to be a huge game to really see uh, what this whole team is about. Darnold especially, but uh, in terms of what this team is going to do this year, this is a huge measuring stick coming up. But if they can do it, there is uh, there are some winnable games coming up uh, to potentially get back into uh, an AFC wildcard race that isn't all that deep. And, and there's seven winning teams in the AFC. So, so not all that much. It is a race that you can't get back into. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you, you think about it, the jets, if, if one, if Donald's healthy, um, I think they win week one, if they, and despite blowing a 16 point lead, they still probably should have won. And if Donald's healthy, you know, the Eagles secondary is not good. They probably could have won that game. The Browns aren't looking that good. I mean, they, they at least would have been in these games. So the jets, I, it was pretty obvious in the start. The jets were not as bad as people were making them out to be. They were not an Oh, and four team, despite being Oh, and four, if that makes any sense, they were more of a two and two, you know, maybe one and three team. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think they I think they would be in the Bills and the Browns if they had yeah. Darnold healthy. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they were going to beat the Pats on the road regardless. But I think I mean the Eagles, uh, they were in that game for a little bit. And yeah, you the, just saw the way that, that game played out, they definitely could have won with an average quarterback. The Eagles offense scored 17 points in that game. They were not good. Yeah. Uh, they kept they shot themselves in the foot a lot in that game. So a decent quarterback would have taken advantage. But I I didn't think before the season the Jets would win. Or and I kind of don't think now the Jets would beat them, even though the Eagles, you know, haven't looked impressive in their other games. Uh, they lost a pretty bad one to the Vikings yesterday, so uh, that it still would be a tough one. But the way they played, you know, they could have won uh, with, with the way the Eagles did end up playing in that game. Yeah, and and so, but keeping forward, like the Pats game, obviously, is a tough game to win. But I think they'll they'll rise to at least playing them tough. But yeah, look, you don't want as you were saying, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But there are clearly winnable games here where the Jets can get back into playing meaningful games in December. They're not going to clinch a playoff spot or anything over these these games against the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the Giants, whatever. But they can, as Jamal Adams and his team keeps saying, stack chips, get back to 500, and then your season's uh, anew. Uh, and also, you know, you win that many games in a row, obviously confidence is going to be high. The reverse effect of what the Jets have been facing the last month of of losing a ton of games in a row. Um but yeah, and and the other, you know, obviously so many impressive parts of this performance. We're going to talk about the defense in, in just a second. But a few more things on Darnold. I, mean, I think the one thing that stands out is is they did this and had their most productive day uh, on the offensive side of the ball without really, you know, leaning on Le'Veon Bell that much. I mean, they literally took him out of of one of their big, um, um, uh, one of uh, one of their biggest drives of the game. They literally took him out of the game and, and put Powell. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but. Um, they literally won the game on Sam Darnold's shoulders and his shoulders only. And also, you know, him getting in, in field goal range for Sam Ficking, making it an eight-point game was an absolutely, you know, huge uh, turning point, or not turning point, but at least a huge moment in the game. And how about Sam Ficking? I mean, nobody's really talking about it that much, but where the Jets kicking situation was at week one, I mean, we are we were talking about it on this podcast a ton. Their fourth kick, now they're on their fourth kicker or whatnot, but Sam Ficking has been fairly impressive. And I think that was, the weird stat that Jim Nance gave, which was his first attempt within 40 yards or whatever came in this game. Oh which yeah. Is ridiculous considering yeah, he's been crazy. on the teams, you know, since week two. Um, but anyways, let's talk about the defense. 
we've obviously talked a ton about Sam Darnold. Super impressive game. We believe in him as the franchise quarterback. We're excited to see him. You know, try to do this week in and week out. But a really exciting time for for Jets players and Jets fans. Uh, and and you know, just happy for him to come back from Mono. Just all the the flack he's taken. Talking about this defense, look, this defense has, has stepped up week in and week out. The scoreboards not reflect that, might not reflect that. I mean, you see they give up 30, you know, you see the score of the Eagles game, it's 31 to 6. Oh, the game is the Patriots 30 to 14. It's 23 to, you know, 3 against the Browns. That is not, that was never the defense's fault. It was one, the offense giving points away through turnovers, and two, just not having an offense because they were literally, they would force three out, three and out, and their offenses would go three and out, and then they'd try to force another three and out. Their offense is back punting. Then, the, you know, the defense bends so it doesn't break. I mean, Greg Williams' unit has come to play pretty much week in and week out. Uh, and the only reason people really weren't talking about it was just because the Jets' complete lack of an offense. But now you could just see it in the way they were playing, the swagger they play with, the confidence, knowing that, oh, it actually matters when we get a stop now because, you know, we're not going to have to be the ones to score the points uh, in this game. We can get a stop and trust that Gase and Darnold are going to get it done. Just a terrific performance from... Obviously, Jamal Adams, I think this was his, you know, signature performance as as a New York Jet, uh, you know, getting the game saving uh, hit on Dak Prescott. They, you know, thrashed Dak Prescott. I mean, despite only getting one sack, they I think they hit him like 10 times or whatnot. Dak Prescott, yeah, they had eight, uh, eight hits. Yeah. And they probably yeah. a lot more pressures than that. Yeah. And he took an absolute beating. Greg Williams was using tons of different guys on the lines, tons of different blitzes. He was just bringing pressure, attacking their backup tackles. Uh, and, and just all-around impressive game. Leonard Williams stepped up finally. I mean, he looked good. Uh, Quinn and Williams made some plays. Just an all-around impressive performance. And look, the Jets were literally every linebacker, middle linebacker on this team has gotten hurt at some point. Cashman didn't, you know, ended up, you know, finishing the game. And same with Hewitt. But literally, they started with Mosley and Williamson. Williamson goes out in preseason. Mosley goes out week one. Then they replace him with Hewitt and Cashman. Hewitt goes down in, in the beginning of this game. Uh, his replacement McClellan then goes, goes down with a concussion. And then Cashman looked a little gimpy. They, they were suffering injuries, but it didn't matter. That next man you know, up philosophy is really paying off. Uh, you know, we didn't really see that week one. We saw Mosley go down, and they completely shut down as a defense. But they've really learned to rebound and respond to that. And Blake Cashman is going to be a hell of a player in this league. Really excited for him. But just overall, despite not having great level corners, you know, outside of Brian Poole, who's been a terrific slot corner and a perfect fit in Greg Williams', Greg Williams defense, only 26, by the way. Um, and despite not having, you know, a premier speed edge rusher, the Jets' defense got pressure on Dak Prescott, stopped Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, they gave up some runs in, the, in that fourth quarter there um, and just overall a terrific game from, from Greg Williams' unit. They came to play, um, and they came to play every every game so far. But if the offense can keep clicking and the defense can keep playing with the swagger, uh, you know, this team is is better than a lot of people think. Yeah, and the defense really, and you said, like, they've been playing decently, though. It, it's hard to, you know, uh, really appreciate it with how bad the offense has been. But the Jets right now are 12th and fewest points allowed per drive and 11th and fewest yards allowed per drive. And that's even though they played three of the top 10 offenses in the league in scoring per drive, the Cowboys, the Pats, and the Eagles. And they have the second worst average field position in the league. Uh, you know, because of how bad the offense has been. So they've dealt with bad field position. They played good teams and they've dealt a ton of injuries. You said it. Every single inside linebacker has been hurt. Uh, Jordan Jenkins just came back. Brandon Copeland just came back. Uh, Quinn Williams has missed some time. Henry Anderson is missing some time. Uh, so the whole defense has been banged up. Uh, really nothing has gone their way, but they've put up decent results this season. And it's, it's really pretty incredible when you list all those things out and the Jets are pretty much 
they pretty much performed at a top half level on defense this season. And I do think they have gotten some luck with the way their opponents have played. You look at uh, how all of the offenses that they played, independent of what the Jets have done, uh, did in the games against the Jets. Josh Allen was pretty terrible in that game uh, until that just made a couple throws at the end. But he you know, almost had like seven turnovers in that game. Uh, Baker Mayfield did not play that well in the Monday night game. Pats did play pretty well. They kind of took their foot off the gas pedal towards the end. They did take Tom Brady out of the game, but I guess they played pretty well. But then uh, the next game is the Eagles, and we already mentioned it, but they did not play well offensively in that game. Carson Wentz missed some throws. They had bad snaps. They had penalties, drops. Uh, They did not play well against the Jets. Uh, And then in this game, Dak Prescott really did not play that well. And one of the things that Prescott really wasn't doing too well just to compare, you know, to one of the things I said Darnold does well, a lot of the throws that Prescott completed, you know, there were plays where uh, receivers had separation against Roberts, against Johnson, uh, even Poole a couple of times. And Poole has been great. We'll talk about him more. But there were some plays where Cowboys receivers had separation. Prescott completed the pass. But, you know, he was a couple yards or, you know, just a little bit behind the receiver, just throwing off their potential to pick up those yards <laughs> after the catch. And it turned into, you know, a 15-yard gain uh, instead of, you know, potentially being a 25, 30, or maybe even more uh, bigger gain than that. And that's something that I think Darnold does so well. And he makes the highlight plays. His ability to make those touch throws is incredible. But what I think he does really well, I think he does the easy stuff better than anybody does it. Just the subtle movement with his shoulders. And that's something that he did in this game, too, that I think is night and day with what Luke Falk or Trevor. And we only saw Simeon a little bit, but just mainly Luke Falk. Just night and day with what other young Jets quarterbacks have done. His ability to manipulate defenders with his body and just move around the pocket and just basically what I said move defenders around with his body and uh, get people open that way but the easy stuff I think Darnold does really well but we're talking about the defense here yeah, I know I love what we, I love we topic, brought up the defense and, and we got yeah. to, to Darnold just we I mean we already knew about effect, the, yes yeah we already knew that this defense was not going to I mean considering the lack of a, a true pass rusher and the lack of corners or talented corners that this defense was never going to be you know, a, a vaunted 85 Bears level defense. Yeah. We knew in order for them to be successful, I mean, you know, and Greg Williams knows this too, they're going to have to be, a, you know, what they did today or yesterday, a bend but not break defense. Yeah. They, they gave up defense, you know, and they haven't really done the taking the ball away as much uh, since the first game, but they've been in this game, they were good in the red zone and then uh, just timely stops over the past few games. They held up in the second half against the Patriots, which, you know, didn't really matter, but it makes the numbers look better. They were, Pretty decent against the Eagles in that first half. Uh, then in the game against the Browns, they were pretty good. The, uh, throughout, They only gave up 23 points, and obviously one big play came on one breakdown, and the offense gave them no help in that game. But they've been pretty decent. And, you know, like you said, this isn't a team that has a lot of depth. They're, you know, weak at cornerback. We knew they'd have to be a timely defense, and they've done that pretty well. But the thing that's really impressive is we kind of – it seemed like this is a defense that was going to have to rely – on its stars to be good. And that's what they did in the first game. CJ Mosley was great. He went out and then they struggled once he did. And then up front, you have Quinn and Williams and Leonard Williams. Quinn missed some time. Uh, Leo had a really quiet first few, or just a plain bad first few games until he finally showed up in this Cowboys game. And, you know, Jamal has been good, but Mosley's been out. You miss some of your stars up front. Have, your stars up front have missed some time. So those, those guys haven't been in there that you thought were going to lead this defense, but other guys have come in and the results have been, you know, about as good as you can expect given the the circumstances to be a top 12, you know, per drive scoring defense with all the people they've lost, the good teams they've had to face uh, over the past three weeks. And 
it's it's pretty impressive. And so credit yeah. to Greg Williams. I, I and what I was getting at before with Prescott is that you know I think they've been a little bit lucky with the way some of their opponents have played. And the Cowboys in this game, they're missing Randall Cobb. Amari Cooper left the game. No Lyle. No, no they're missing their two starting tackles uh, with Smith and Collins. So you know I think they've been a little uh, a little bit lucky with the way their opponents have played and some of the players who've been missing. But at, at the end of at the end of the day, you have to be uh, you can't help but be thrilled with the results that this defense has put up, given everything they've had to deal with. Yeah, but what, but what I was saying earlier was that, yeah, I, I think they, at their best form, this this unit right here is is a terrific bend but don't break defense. And it's you, you brought up timeliness, that's true. But it's also, yeah, creating turnovers, although they didn't, they didn't get any uh, in this game. You know, Poole and May both dropped an interception. Um, but it's great red zone defense. So even, yeah, they have, you're right. They have gotten lucky with some penalties and, and with some drops and some missed throws and whatever. But even when they go up against Tom Brady and Tom Brady is going to get them from one twenty to the other 20, but it's what happens inside that red zone, which is going to make this Jets defense stand out and which is going to make them a good defense. Because I, I think that, and, and we said this week one, that they're going to give up a ton of yards, but if they can just hold them to three, if they can force turnovers, it's not going to matter, especially if the offense is playing like it was yesterday and, and they can capitalize off it. It's a really good balance. Obviously, in the offseason, Joe Douglas is going to look to, to boost um, the offensive line and Sam's weapons, but he's also going to look into bringing an extra pass rusher and a corner to make the defense more well-rounded and, and stop the amount of yards that they're probably going to give up uh, the rest of the season. But, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, transitioning more in, into this Pats game, look, the, the past, uh, and I know you have more of the numbers on this, but the past, you know, uh, a decade. Every time the Jets have played the Pats at home, it's been a, a relatively close game outside of maybe that butt fumble game in, in the 2011 yeah, Sunday Night Football that, game. That's the last time they got blown out at home by the Pats, I think. And, exactly. and a few times before that, they played them good. So it doesn't yeah. happen a lot. They play them good at home. Yeah, they, well, yeah, they play them well at home, and then they're going to have all that energy, especially after that, that win against the Cowboys. So, uh, But, Michael, just your thoughts on you know the just this matchup you know, from a schematic standpoint of, okay, now we've seen what, what Adam Gase's true offense looks like with Sam Darnold when they're firing on, on all cylinders. This is the offense that we saw in the preseason. This this is what we expect to see and want to see, you know, over the the the, uh, the next, uh, how many games is it? Um, geez, 11 games? Yeah, there we go. I got it. Uh, over the next 11 games, this is the offense that we want to see. Just what are your thoughts on how this offense matches up against the terrific Patriots defense? Um, they've been absolutely outstanding. I, I'm lucky I picked them in fantasy because every week they're putting up 25 plus uh, for me. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, how this defense, this bend but don't break defense, matches up against the Patriots who just love these little short routes, these just drive killers, um, just uh, you know, dinking and ducking their way down the field. So just start with Darnold in the offense and then Brady in the, in the defense. Yeah. So on the offensive side, I, I think that the thing that's really <laughs> stood out the last couple times that the the Jets have played the Patriots is Robbie Anderson against Stefan Gilmore and Gilmore's really emerged into, he's the best cornerback in the league. I don't think there's really a debate with that right now, uh, the way he's played, you know, especially this season, but you know, last season, I think he was the best too, but he's really one of the few guys left in the league who are kind of at that Revis level where he could get up on the line, press your best receiver and take him out of the game. So uh, him against Robbie Anderson, I think that's going to be really interesting to see if, you know, we just saw uh, Robbie Anderson finally go off, get that breakout play. Uh, he had a couple other first downs in addition to uh, to the 92-yard play. So he had a really good game uh, now going against Gilmore, a guy who he's really struggled against. Uh, most players have struggled against uh, past couple years. 
That's a really interesting matchup. But Crowder, too. This is now the second game he's played with Darnold. He's got – he had 99 yards in the first game, 98 yards in this game. Uh, six first downs in the first game, four in this one. So that that's big-time production. And I know a lot of people were complaining in the first game, like, oh, you catch 14 passes, you only get 99 yards. But he had six first downs in that game. And then in this game he had uh, – got a few more big plays in this game. He had, uh, I think, two receptions over 20 yards. But – uh, he had four first downs in this game, so 10 first downs in two games with Darnold, that's incredible production. If, if he averaged five first downs over the course of the season, he's second in the league right now. So that that's really just really shows the connection that – and that was talked about a lot in the offseason, just uh, that Crowder and Darnold were really getting that connection going. And in two games, we've really seen it. Even in the first game where Darnold wasn't all that healthy, they still put up pretty good production. So just as, those two receiver matchups are key because – it all starts in that secondary for New England. I know that they do have some good pieces up front. Winovich has played really well. Uh, he comes to mind first. But they do have a lot of good pieces up front. But it all starts with that secondary. Their coverage has been incredible this season. And it's hard to be good in coverage in the NFL now with all the rules against pass coverage. I mean, we just saw a game where six, I think six plays in a row penalties were called at the end of that uh, game with the Cowboys. But it's hard to be locked down in the NFL in the secondary now, but the Patriots are, they're doing it right now. And they played bad teams to start the season, which is why, you know, you got to see if they can keep this going uh, throughout the rest of the season into the playoffs. They played, you know, against Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins, Daniel Jones and the Giants. Jones did throw a touchdown against them last week. The first one they gave up this season, but uh, you know, two rookies, they played Josh Allen, they played the Dolphins. Uh, they did play the Steelers in the first game and they played Luke Falk. So not an impressive schedule at all. Darnold is, uh, you know, they played against Roethlisberger, but they'll be playing against Darnold. Probably uh, the toughest challenge that they've uh, faced this season since Roethlisberger. So, you know, we'll see. This is a team that in the secondary is really, really good. So these receivers are going to have to play really well. Having Herndon back, we'll see if he can come back. But that would be huge just to open things up for Crowder uh, and Robbie Anderson a little bit. But that's really what I'll be looking at because this team in the secondary is crazy, crazy good. And like we said, the competition, not good, but what they're doing, just some of the numbers that they put up, I think they've given up a passer rating of about 44 this season, which is just just insane. I actually have the numbers here. So the passer rating that the Patriots have given up this season is uh, 42.6, which is just absolutely incredible. One touchdown, 14 interceptions. They already have 44 passes deflections in this uh, on the season. That's seven per game, which is ridiculous. And they still get the pressure. They're getting a sack. They legally can sack rate 10.6%. So really on all cylinders, incredible pass defense. And their run defense, too, is really good. They've struggled the past couple games, but they shut down Le'Veon Bell the first time. They don't miss a lot of tackles. So uh, this is a team that's been really, really good so far. But it, it also seems like they're kind of overdue with the schedule they played. And the, the dominance that they've, you know, the level of dominance they played with this season, it kind of seems like, it's hard to sustain over the course of a whole season. I don't think they're going to, you know, finish the year giving up a 42 passer rating. So at some point, someone's going to put up some numbers on this defense because they've been that good to where it's almost impossible to just be that good for the whole season. So, you know, maybe it happens this week with Sam Darnold against his team. Jets have the momentum. We saw last week against, uh, you know, a pretty good Cowboys defense that uh, they were able to move the ball pretty well. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see against this uh, defense that's playing really, really good right now. Re really offense or defense, this Patriots defense has been the best unit in the league 
uh, so far this year. So it's a really good test for Darnold in this offense. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And look, it's it's probably the hardest test you could ever say, but you know, it, it, it could ever have. Sam Darnold even said though that that you would want it no other way. This is a great measuring stick for where the Jets are. They're re- they're relatively healthy, so the excuses have to stop. I think Mosley will be back, even if they're missing Herndon. That is an excuse, but this is a great measuring you stick. You saw Ryan Griffin count with with an actual quarterback what he can do as a receiver uh, last game too. Yeah, and and I think when Herndon comes back, ha- having just a, a formidable duo of Griffin and Herndon. Uh, is exciting. Just it opens up your offense uh, to do uh, to do a lot more things. Um, and yeah, I mean, just overall, it was just just the perfect game. If you could have just drawn up how this game would have gone, it, it would have looked just like this. I mean, Jamal Adams is really proving himself from this game, at least to be the best safety in football. Sam Darnold playing like he did, you know, in those last four games of last year that we talked about all summer. You know, when he came out week one of this year and he didn't play like that, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, you know the the. Thoughts of doubt was like, you know, something was wrong. Maybe it's the case's offense. Was that a fluke at the end of the year? This proves that, no, that Sam Darnold can do this, and he can do it consistently. We just have to keep doing it week in and week out and stack these wins. Uh, just lastly, how, how do you feel um, that this defense and, and specifically the secondary matches up against this Patriots offense, which is obviously always going to be, you know, explosive uh, with, with Tom Brady under center. You know he's going to be ready. Um, just kind of your thoughts on, on how Greg Williams is going to match up against Tom Brady. Yes, I think there are a lot of guys on defense who we haven't given enough love to for this Cowboys game. Leonard Williams, you brought him up a little bit before, has gotten all the hate in the world these first four games. And for the first time in his career, I really think it's been pretty much deserved. In those, uh, in the two games against the Eagles and the Patriots, he had no sacks, no tackles for loss, not even a single pressure, had a penalty in both of those games, had never had two games, in a, had never had a single game in his career, which he had no pressures, no tackles for loss, and a penalty. And now he did it in back-to-back games. So he is really, really struggling coming in. But he played good in this game. He didn't get a sack. I think he only had one quarterback hit in the box score. But he had created a lot of pressure in this game. His run defense was really good. And really, the whole defensive line played good in this game. Quinton Williams, he finally, well, not finally showed up. He's been playing pretty well. But he did have some bigger splash plays in this game. No sacks again, but again, like Williams, I think he creates some pressure, but more so in the run game. I think he was really, really good. He had five run tackles for one yard or less. That was tied for the most in the league, and the guy he's tied with was his teammate, Kyle Phillips, who also had five of those. So the defensive line, I think, did a really good job. Uh, Yeah, and Fadakasi, too, I was going to get to. He didn't – I don't think (laughs) he had a great box score, but he was really good. You would consistently snap after snap see him – getting the most penetration on the line. So, uh, and he looked good in the preseason too. He really started to step up there and now we're seeing it. So the defensive line looked really good in this game. I think, you know, the Cowboys did have moments where they got their run game going. Uh, They had that one drive to start the second half where they just went to Zeke. I think, I think they went to him 10 times on one drive or uh, somewhere close to that, but uh, they did have some moments where they started running the ball really well. They did score two rushing touchdowns. Uh, and I think that was mostly on the linebackers. Like you mentioned, Hewitt got hurt. McClellan came in. He is a great special teams player, but he is not a good uh, linebacker in the NFL right now uh, at his age. So I think the linebackers were kind of responsible for the struggles they did have at times. But the defensive line, and, and they came up with that one stop in the red zone. They got the back-to-back uh, right before the touchdown to Robbie Anderson. They got that stop in the red zone. 
that was on the defensive line. Uh, Padukasi split a double team against Travis Frederick. Quinn and Williams beat Zach Martin a few times. So the defensive line played really well in this game. And you mentioned the safeties. They deserve a lot of love. Marcus May played really, uh, really good in this game. He had uh, a few tackles. I think he had six tackles in this game. And I, I think five of them were just legitimately good tackles that were in the open field that stopped a potentially huge gain and held it to about 15 to 20 yards. And that's exactly what you want him to do. That's his job. Yeah. He had that one against, plays. he had that one against Zeke. That would have been a touchdown if he didn't oh, uh, yeah. bring him down. So he, and that's what he was doing. He had a few plays just like that. And then obviously the highlight was the two point conversion at the end in which he had the coverage uh, on Jason Witten and Jamal Adams. Like you said, he had a great game. This was one of those signature games from him from him you look at the the game against the pats last year where he was just locking down gronk everywhere this was kind of on that level i think uh not quite at that level i think he really dominated that game i think there were uh, he did have one penalty at the end that i don't i don't agree with i I don't really remember what it was i know he had a penalty but it was pass interference i I believe yeah they they were at second and goal from like the 20 or second and 20 from like the 25 or something and then, then I kind of remember it. I think it was on Witten. I think it was a bad one. But other than that, and yeah, I think horrible. there was one. I think there was one catch he gave up, but it was after like you know six seconds. There was no pressure, so you can't really blame him for that one. But other than that, he he made a lot of plays and run defense. He's really good. Uh, he had that one pass deflection near the end that was a huge huge play. And then obviously the pressure. Uh, to end the game. And that's what he does really well. And, you know, it was just a great, you know, blitz call by Greg Williams, but you really see his speed on those blitzes is uh, uh, I don't, not a lot of people in the league can blitz the way he blitzes. And you saw it on that play, uh, just how quick he can split through, uh, split through the offensive line like that, because it's not necessarily just a straight line run. You have to be able to, you know, get through those little cracks in the offensive line and still get there at full speed and create the pressure. And he does that so well. You saw it, uh, against Prescott there. And he had a few other pressures in the game too. That's something we haven't seen quite as much from him just yet this season, the pressures uh, as a pass rusher, but he had some in this game and he had one in the biggest moment. So a lot of people stepped up on defense and, you know, I have to, I don't like this guy, but Tremaine Johnson, I think he played <laughs> not terribly in this game. I'll give him that. I, I think he gave up a couple of catches, but uh, Roberts was mainly the problem in coverage, I think. But Johnson was not terrible in this game for the yeah. first time this season. That, that so. would be huge. That would be huge to, if Tremaine Johnson could just at least be not terrible. Because I think Daryl Roberts is about yeah. That's, you know, that's exactly what we said before the season. Just yeah. be not terrible, and that'd be huge. Yeah, and, exactly. And you see, he was not terrible in this game. They did pretty good against uh, a really solid offense that put up more points against a better defense in the Packers last uh, last week. So. Uh, it was a really good performance pretty much all across the board on defense. Uh, you know, you'd like to get more sacks, but they hit Prescott eight times. They had a lot more pressures than that. Uh, numbers aren't out yet, but uh, the pressure is really good. Uh, the safeties played Marcus May and Jamal Adams. That was uh, what you saw in the, in the game against the Cowboys, I think, is exactly what uh, the Jets were hoping to get when they drafted those two guys in the first two rounds. So uh, it was a really good performance on defense. And against the Patriots, uh, I, I think the biggest question with the Patriots is definitely, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think they've been uh, quite as dominant as they've been in the past. If you look at their numbers so far, not not quite as good. They do lead the league in points, but the defense has a lot to do with that. Uh, if you look at their points per drive right now, not, not quite as dominant as we've seen them in the past. Right now they're ranked 10th uh, in the league in points per drive. So, you know, really good. They're still a good team, but they're not quite the juggernaut that, they, that we're used to seeing them be. So, 
Uh, I think in the last game, uh, this defense against the offense, obviously the story was uh, that they got dominated out of the gate, gave up uh, 24 points in the first half, I think, but they went down 30 nothing, uh, then shut them out towards the end, obviously when it didn't matter. But uh, coming out fast is going to be key because that can't happen again. The, the Jets were able to win this game against the Cowboys because they came out fast. They got a stop. They scored, took the lead early, and they controlled the game, uh, controlled the entirety of the game. And against the Patriots, who are a hard, hard team to come back against, you got to get out in front of them early. And we've seen this with the Jets before. In that 2017 game, they were up 14-0, then eventually the Pats came back. The Pats are going to get back into the game. Uh, they're not going to get blown out. It's never going to happen. But if you are going to beat them, you have to get on them first. So starting off quick is going to be huge. And what we saw in this Cowboys game was that you know, they just uh, the, the run defense is really good early. That was key. And the Patriots run game this season has kind of been, you know, up and down. They have been they are a team that likes to, you know, play physical, run the ball a lot. Uh, that's what they that's what their identity really has been the past few years. But, you know, I, I really think losing Gronkowski as much as it's a loss in the past game. I think they miss him on the ground, too. His run blocking is he was a great run blocker. And I think they do miss him there. Uh, if you look at the Patriots running stats right now, they're 27th in rushing yards per attempt. So the run game hasn't really been as great as it has been the past few years. So I think that's going to be key. Stuff those the defensive line, they were really good against the Cowboys. Quinn and Williams, Kyle Phillips, uh, you know maybe Henry Anderson comes back, but both the Williams, uh, Phillips, Fadakasi, McClendon, if those guys can be as good against the run as they were against uh, a good Cowboys running attack. Obviously they're missing two linemen, but against Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, a good running team, they can be that good on on the ground in the early downs and, you know, keep the Patriots in check early in the game. I think that's going to be key to, you know, let the Jets get up first on the Patriots. Cause you know, like I said, they're a hard team to come back against. Uh, you got to go up on them early. So I think the run defense is really the key to making that happen. And especially in that game against the Jets, you saw them, uh, the Patriots really run the ball early, uh, scored that Sony Michelle touchdown to take the lead. So, uh, and you said it before too, red zone defense is going to be huge. So, uh, especially the run defense in the red zone is going to be huge too. So I think this defensive line dominating on the ground, especially early in the game, especially in the red zone, those are going to be the big keys uh, early against the Patriots because you have to go up on them if you're going to beat them. you got to take the lead early. I agreed. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Oh, last last thing before we uh, before we get out of here. The, the end zones, they were new to ah. get. Uh, yes, and I the wasn't new bought. end zones, the terminology, I like that. The game itself it overshadowed the new end zones for me. Um, I, I hope they'll be black. I, th I think it's symbolic because like it's such a good game. It makes you want to get nude. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I think they'll be black on Monday night. Like they were against Cleveland. It would, my question is like, why wouldn't you just leave it black then? If you have a colored version of it, like why wouldn't you just, it's just way more interesting. I wonder how the black of... looks in the day. Or if that really fits in. I mean, well, I mean, black's not really supposed to be a big part of the color scheme unless they're going all black at night. It's not like they're the Panthers or the Ravens where it's kind of like a big part of it. It's more like an think, accent color. Yeah. Do you think that? Well, that is. Yeah, it's exact. They are the green and white. They just added black to, to be the trim and the alternate. Do you think that they will? Because they can wear the black uniforms three times in a season. Do you think they'll utilize that? Or do you think it's just one of those things where they're only going to wear it uh, twice? Well, well, they're definitely going to do it against the Patriots, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the other they'll... time I think they do it would be maybe against Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens go all white and the Jets go all black in that game. I don't know what their the Ravens tendencies do. 
uh, in primetime games. They wear purple. Is that what they no, usually no, do? Well, no, no, no. The Ravens normally go black. I'm saying the only way right. on primetime games. Do you, well, do you think that they would um, wear all black during a day to get that third, yeah. to utilize the third? Like, you know, against the Steelers or something or against, you know, the Giants maybe? Uh, I, 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 actually, I could see I against the Giants. I don't Giants. really feel like they would. I don't think they would. Maybe. Like the only a home night uniform? Yeah, I think it's mostly a night game. Uniform. I, I wonder how they would look in the day, though. I, Madden doesn't really tell you too much because obviously the lighting isn't all that realistic compared to real life. But it would be interesting. I feel like because because that's the thing, like when you play Madden, like you can mix and match all the, the black jersey, white pants and all different half, you know, half black combos. But it, it doesn't seem like that they're planning on doing that and you right know, for real. But it, it seemed like it could, like the Ravens do it really well, the Panthers do it really well, and you know, like I, I just said, will a, I think they will. Yeah, soon. Or like it's supposed years. to be an accent, but I, I wonder if that can work well. I would be interested to see it. Agreed. Yeah, I think they will in a few years, because then you then you can have some sort of hype around your uniforms, you know, two years from now. Uh, yeah, but, I'm curious to see what the Let's just say the like. all-white against the Cowboys. That looked really good. Looked great. Looked so sexy. And you always want to make the Cowboys not wear all-white. That throws them off. Yeah, it does. Well, and did you see the, the videos of the Jets warming up? Because um, the, the uniforms just had, like, the sun on them more so than they did at the start of the game or the second half when it was dark. Do They just looked beautiful. They looked glorious. Yeah, they're they're great in the light. They're really good. Uh, and we didn't get to see that in the preseason because those are at night. And like you yeah. said, this game uh, get gets dark towards the end. But especially in the light, those white uniforms, the, the all white, I think might be their best look. I know. And, and it was before the change too. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree. And those this helmets look perfect, and they've really grown on me. Even the logo has grown on me. Um, all right, I, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, an exciting week um, to be a Jets fan after five straight weeks of shittiness. Um, just really glad. I mean, that to to see, um, you know, all the the tweets of Le'Veon when he's saying, you know, y'all can hate on us now, but you know, keep that same energy and just got the way the veterans kept saying that this isn't going to snowball, that we're better than this, that you know, whatever. They were right. I mean, at least for one game. Now, at the end of the day, the Jets are one and four. They haven't done shit yet. Um, they need to keep stacking chips. They have a great, you know, test against a divisional opponent. You know, I want them to win. Play them tough, play them hard. Hopefully Darnell's another good game. If they lose, it's not the end of the world because they have a lot of winnable games upcoming to get back around 500 in time for December playoff games and try to, you know, try to make the season interesting, try to steal wild card. Even if they don't, the most important thing is that Darnold is playing well and that he keeps progressing. Um, but just an exciting week. Uh, reminder, you can follow us at CYJ, at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Um, that's the best place. I mean, despite uh, not having a podcast, uh, we're always I'm always very active on there. Um, unless the Jets suck and sometimes I'm, um, you know, take a day or two. Uh, whereas Michael takes weeks at a time. Uh, you can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania for, you know, if the Jets are winning and if he feels like tweeting, he tweets out some nerdy numbers and whatnot. And you can follow me at Ben W. Blessington. Um, don't really tweet too much from that account, but, you know, I'll take a follower. Um, and you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, iTunes. Um, I already said iTunes. I, I heart, whatever. Um, I'm sick. It's okay. I hope I don't have mono. Um, and you can uh, and and you can also find this podcast in the best place to listen to and find Jets content. Turn to the Jets.com. Great gift dump um, today by by Joe Caparoso, by the way. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll wrap it up there. Michael, any last thoughts? Uh, I'm I'm just really excited. The excitement is back for this team. You know, we're we're really excited for this season coming in. It was one of the most anticipated seasons for me, and I think for a lot of fans 
coming in, and it feels like that's back. So Monday night against the Patriots, uh, coming off this win against the Cowboys with some momentum and a starting quarterback who we're excited about. Uh, it's a really, it feels really exciting right now. It's fun again to be a Jets fan, and this is it should be a really fun game. I'm really, I'm really pumped up for this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just demoralizing anytime your your season feels over at the start of October. But the fact that now there's a glimmer of hope. The Jets are going to enter a nice part of their schedule. They got Darnold back. We saw what they can be against a good team in Dallas. People, I mean, Dallas is getting clowned on right now, but Dallas is a good football team. Uh, and at the very least, they have a great defense. I mean, I know the defense hasn't necessarily showed out, but, I mean, Chris Richard is a good, um, I mean, I, I, does he even, is he the defensive coordinator or is he still the defensive backs coach under Marinelli? I think he might still be the, the passing game coordinator or whatever. But either way, the, Dallas has a lot of talent on that defensive side of the football, and Darnold did it. I think they were the 12th-ranked defense or whatnot. So a lot to be excited about. The hope um, for this season is back. Uh, and just, yeah, just stacking these chips, getting back in the hunt. And so they're playing meaningful games at the end of November and into December. And hopefully uh, hopefully January for the first time in forever. But that's, uh, that's a long ways away and um, going to need a lot to happen in order for that to happen. So... Anyways, thank you for listening. Again, super uh, you know, happy with the Jets' performance last night, um, last afternoon. I don't, I don't know. I'm tired. But um, thanks for listening. Go Jets. Uh, and everybody have a nice week. He's going to go all the way. Jamison Crowder. Now it's intercepted by Mosley. He's going to score. 